Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk with a Doc, the show where we bring your... Nope. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk with a Doc, the show where we bring your questions to Providence medical experts for insight and information. I'm your host, Mary Renoff, and here with me today is Marianne Dunlap, nurse practitioner at Providence Medical Group in Oregon. And today we're answering your questions about bladder health. Remember, everyone, all of our questions come from our listeners via social media. We can be found on Twitter at PSJH and on Facebook under Providence St. Joseph Health. Use the hashtag TalkWithTheDoc for a chance to hear your questions in our episodes. Before we start, I want to remind our listeners that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. Always consult a healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. So let's get started by welcoming back our expert today, Marianne Dunlap. Hello. Thanks for joining <laughs> us again. You're welcome. You're a crowd favorite. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, we're talking about bladder health, and I think that we're going to start with a super easy one, which is what does it mean to have a healthy bladder? So I think your bladder is doing what you want it to do. So you can urinate when you want to. You can stop when you want to. You don't go if you don't want to. And um, it doesn't hurt. And I think that that's probably what most people would term just good bladder health. Yeah, I mean, you know, it just it's not causing you problems. We know the thing I think we should say to everybody listening is we all have a bladder and we all pee. So let's talk about it, right? Like everybody wants to be embarrassed when we talk about poop or pee. We do it. Like it's natural. Everybody does it. (laughs) You know what I did? I jumped right over you though. What's your background? You're a nurse practitioner. So you're kind of an expert on a little bit of everything, right? Yeah. So I just general practice. So we see everything, you know, we're going to see folks coming in with multiple questions and, and, and bladder health is a really common question. We sure. get all sorts of things about bladder and health. across men and women too. I think that's the other oh, thing. Yeah. People always assume bladder health is female related. Absolutely. Oh, hits us all right. Right. And especially as we get older, you're going to see a lot of men come in with bladder issues. Sure. Um, and really it's interesting with men, their issues may relate to what they, d- what they feel like is their bladder. It may be actually prostate oh, issues, right. mm-hmm. but um, you know, it, it affects it, their bladder in, in how it functions and what it does. So, you know, that's what you'll see them in a lot for. Sure. We hear a lot lately about weak bladder. What is a weak bladder? I think when we're, I'm going to guess that when people say weak bladder, what they're either talking about is a bladder that won't hold urine or one that wants to go all the time. So one one that gives you that sensation, I really need to pee all the time, or you're having incontinence, meaning you just can't hold your Mm -hmm. urine. And so um, I think probably that's what people would consider when they're saying weak bladder. Um, when you say incontinence, though, incontinence doesn't mean I just wet myself. It could mm-hmm. be that I've dribbled a little bit, right? Like, cause we hear a oh, lot of sure. women who like cough or sneeze or whatever. Yes. That's still considered incontinence, right? In my gym, um, every the run to the bathroom when we are going to jump rope oh, I is, bet. Sure. is a classic. In fact, our instructor will always say, okay, get ready. We're going to jump rope. You've got about five <laughs> minutes. I mean, and, and I think that that's even just respectful, actually, sure. to the, we have a lot of women in our gym, a lot of women who have had children. Um, and so, you know, when we talk about what you know, the next question might be, well, you know, what is a weak bladder? What causes a weak bladder? Right, and I think a lot of times it's muscular issues. Um, it can be, uh, and, and muscular issues can be related to menopause. They can, mm-hmm. you know, okay. where um, hormones help to, you know, keep the muscles strong and, and uh, you know, generally help with bladder health. And so as you, when you're going through menopause, your hormones decrease and that can um, cause some problems there. Like menopause isn't hard enough, really. I know, right? Um, but, uh, you know, the other thing is childbirth, very common. Extra weight can be a thing that can put some strain on your muscles as well. And so, and then this can be some uh, issues that you could be potentially born with that can create um, overactive bladder, which is the idea that you have to urinate a lot. So um, anyway, there's there's a lot of different causes for it, but I would say, uh, you know, being female creates the biggest issue, particularly around having kids. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
Well, you know, if muscles are such a key component of bladder control, how do we control our own muscles then, the bladder muscles? Can we work them out? Sure. You can. Um, there's a couple of different things. I, I would say actually one of the best things you can do if you really have concerns about, you know, strengthening those muscles, uh, which can be for multiple reasons. You know, you can you can have the bladder that is weakening and, and, and kind of falling, which we would call, you know, it's a term we use as kind of falling. Falling bladder? Uh, yeah, just okay. kind of, a, you know, it's, it's just the muscles aren't supporting it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, same with the uterus can do that as well. And in those conditions, um, physical therapy can be a really great uh, partner because they can do some, uh, they can teach you ways in which you can strengthen those muscles far beyond the old Kegel exercises that we've heard of. We've all heard about those, right? Yeah, you know, the one where it it would be the sensation of as if you were going to stop your stream of urine. You you know, you're trying to tighten those muscles. You know, everybody's doing that right now. Yeah, I was was kind of like, how do I describe (laughs) it? Let me, okay, let me, but you know, it would be the same thing as trying to stop your flow of urine. That's what it feels like to do a Kegel. And then you hold it and release it and then do it again. And you do that, you know, you might do it 10 to 20 times at a given time. You do have to do a lot of those for it to really affect you. I mean, it, up to the point of where people say do 10 cycles every hour, oh, you know, for crying out I loud. know. And no. so, um, so it is, it is one of those things that is time consuming, but there are things that physical therapists will get into okay. that can um, really help you to focus on the exact pelvic muscles, floor muscles that you need, the pelvic floor muscles that you need to help keep your bladder uh, strong and, and, and keep it supported, I guess is what I should say. Makes sense. You mentioned uh, weight gain or being overweight can cause it, but what about weight loss? Because I feel like that affects your bladder muscles as well. If you had kind of, if you were overweight and then you lost a lot mm-hmm. of weight, does that impact it? Can you, would you just do the same thing, go see mm-hmm. a physical therapist maybe? Yeah, if you're having problems. I mean, specifically if you're, generally what we see is if people lose weight and they were having some incontinence issues before or overactive bladder issues, that those things actually kind of get better almost reverse themselves in some ways yes but other but other times you might see something different especially if you have extra skin or or you know there was a lot of abdominal uh you know weight that that now you have extra skin, right Mm -hmm. and i don't know how to explain that except for to say that that can make it feel more um like the the muscles are weaker Mm -hmm. and i think if you're having incontinence after losing weight then certainly asking you know physical therapy would probably be the number one place i would go to on that well, what are other kinds of, of bladder problems? So you, you know, I mean, what's the category look like? Yeah, so um, overactive bladder, incontinence issues, urinary tract infections, and then interstitial cystitis. Um, I know what is that? I know, right? So this is the one that... Um, it's oftentimes confused for chronic bladder infections, um, if, especially if a person isn't always going to the doctor with what they presume is a bladder infection. They may, um, you know, try some treatments over the counter like azo oh, right. mm-hmm. or, or those sorts of things, and they actually may find their symptoms improve. Um, and they think, well, I just treated my bladder infection with azo, which is an important thing to note. Azo, I guess I should use, is this is a term for something that numbs the bladder. It's a, it's a type of medication. So I'm using, I guess, a brand name well, for a type like of medication. Tissue, but we've seen it. Yeah, yeah, right. So it's a type of medication that provides a little numbness to the bladder. It'd be like giving an aspirin to your bladder, you oh, know? Okay. Um, and so what happens in the, this, the case of interstitial cystitis is it's more of an inflammation issue. And so what happens is you treat um, the, the irritation or the pain, and the condition feels better because it naturally kind of goes on a, on a, come and go kind of basis. So sometimes you may feel irritated and inflamed. Sometimes you feel fine. So let's say two days after you take the azo, it's in a pattern of feeling better now. You think you fixed it. Okay. Um, really, you haven't. Um, it's, a, it's a condition that will come and go. So it's very confusing. So that's why I usually tell people if they're getting painful symptoms that feel like a bladder infection, especially initially, 
you should seek treatment for that to find out exactly what's going on. Right. Well, that was going to be my question is what, when should you go into the doctor if you think you have a bladder infection? Because I know a lot of people treat it with cranberry juice mm-hmm. or now we hear apple cider vinegar. We hear a lot of different things. But an infection is actually an infection, right? You're probably not going to cure it by treating just a symptom. Right. I mean, there have been some limited – well, there's been some studies that show some limited benefit with cranberry. But really, more uh, more along the lines of maybe preventing um, some people with chronic bladder mm-hmm. infections mm-hmm. from developing them, uh, not so much for treating them, I would say. Um, b- blood in the urine is probably the number one thing that people are going to want to go to the doctor for, and I think that that's reasonable. Because, I would go right in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, that indicates something's not quite right. Um, and usually, bladder infection is a common reason to see blood in the urine. So, you know, nobody should panic. Right, <laughs> but right. I would definitely go in with that. Um, and then pain, you know, definitely pain with urination. That's another reason people will go sure. in. Um, sometimes people will have urine that looks funny or smells funny to them. Mm-hmm. And I think we hear cloudy a lot. I think, yeah, right. And so yeah. I think it's reasonable to go in sometimes, you know, you know, drinking, you know, upping your water intake and that sort of thing with no other symptoms, you know, mm-hmm. might be something you would try initially. But I think, you know, anything that doesn't seem right to you is probably a, not a bad idea to go in and get checked. So even would it would you say that if like you typically you pee three four five times a day and now you feel like you have to pee every hour yeah. is that that's a good indicator yeah it's a good reason to go in and again whether it's an indicator of a bladder infection or something else going on it's probably a reason to go in if it's a big change and it's persisting. So one of the questions came in: What are uncommon bladder problems? Things we've never heard of. I think what you mentioned the interstitial cystitis. <laughs> yeah, that one. You know, it's probably more common than people think, okay. but but it is one of the more uncommon things. Um, Gosh, you know, I think there's some things that can happen, you know, just with bladder problems that we we don't hear about um, would be maybe some of the ones that people are born with, some of the just different sizes, shapes uh, that can create problems. But I think, you know, I think that the the common ones really are the the big group. I mean, it's definitely the ones that we deal with more often. The other ones are really more specialty oriented. So, yeah. Well, and if you have a bladder infection and you don't treat it, or say you're trying to treat it with the azo or whatever, and that's uh-huh. not curing it, oftentimes is that how we people get it, kidney infections? It can be. Okay. So, you know, the bacteria can can spread mm-hmm. upwards and get from the, you, you have these little tubes that come from your kidneys down to your bladder, which, you know, drop the urine in there, but, it, you know, it can go backwards. The bacteria can get up that way, and you can end up with a, with a kidney infection that way. That could be a, a mechanism for that. And so it can be serious. Most people, it's not going to do that, but, you know, it, it could. So you've you w- got to take it seriously. Well, we got a question that says, how come certain medications turn my urine blue or bright orange? It's just the chemical properties oh. of the, yeah. So it's not making my pee that. It's, like you know, it's, it's just, it's okay. just a chemical property of the, of the medication that does that and the way it's metabolized. Yeah, a lot of them are metabolized through the kidneys, and it just it's just kind of how it goes down. I've seen orange. I don't think I've ever seen blue. I think I would panic. Oh, yeah. I, usually there's some, some sort of warning that tells you to be, so. right. be prepared. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a, a fairly specific question. I'm a chronic bladder infection sufferer for the last 30 years, and I've become immune to many bladder medications and popular bladder numbing medications. What would you suggest I do about fixing the issue? Is that something you see your primary care or do you go see a specialist? You know, in that, for that person, um, you know, that definitely has kind of moved sort of beyond probably what what we could handle. I think you need more uh, look-see as to what is actually going on. And that person may have actually had a urological consult, you know, seen a a doctor for the bladder. Um, But even in those cases, sometimes they need to use a little scope to go up there and take a look and see if that person potentially has the interstitial cystitis I was talking about. You know, is it always an infection? 
you know, you'd have to really look into or one the of history. Those genetic things you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. you'd really have to look into that person's history, all the documentation related to, you know, what they've done so far. So I, I would say a special a specialist on that would be a, definitely a place to go. And even that can be frustrating because sometimes, as with all health things, um, some things can be hard to, to get down to, you know, what's going to work right. and what's going to fix you and make you better. It, it's tough sometimes. I think we're, what this question, though, makes me really think of is that sometimes we go to our doctor and we take the treatments that our doctor gives us and then we go back and we go back. But it's OK to ask the doctor, right? Should I see a specialist? Like, I feel like this is ongoing. Like, it's OK to ask questions, right? Oh, for sure. And I think that if you, you know, if you feel that that's nerve wracking to you or somehow you're not getting a, a, a positive response from that, I think definitely, you know, that's that shouldn't that shouldn't happen. I mean, you should feel like you have a great uh, ability to have a dialogue with your provider about stuff like that yeah well I know we have to take a quick break in a second but I'm going to ask you one quick question what is the bladder like how big is it how small is it what is it connected to I don't think a lot of us even really know what a bladder is it's just the collecting uh, it's like a kind of like a little bowl that collects your urine from your kidneys so you know they come the kidneys um, filter and create urine okay. which is you know helps to clear stuff out of your system uh, out of your blood so, um, and it goes down to those ureters and those ureters pop in on either side of that bladder and they just dump the urine in there and then the urine holds it until um, a bunch of um, neurological and muscular uh, issues will tell you it's time, it's to, time go. to go to the bathroom yeah oh, yeah so it's just a, a holding container I don't know exactly I mean the bladder can stretch so mm -hmm. it's, it's a wide variety of what it can hold um, so you just made me think of something, though. So when you have a bladder infection, I've had them. Mm -hmm. And that's always the symptom I notice first is I feel like I have to pee all the time. Uh -huh. So is my brain telling me that I have an infection? Then? It's just irritated. Your bladder's irritated. Oh, so it's it's okay. sending messages that are saying, I'm really irritated. <laughs> and okay. I, don't want, I don't want anything in there. I don't want anything touching me. You, you know that feeling? Well, I know that feeling very yeah. well. <laughs> don't touch me. Don't look at me. Right. So the minute you get urine in there, it's like, no, you got to uh, get out. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I've always wondered. Okay. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation about bladder health.
Talk with the Doc, and we are joined today by Marianne Dunlap, and we are talking about bladder health. So Marianne, let's talk about bladder cancer, because okay. it seems like we're hearing a lot more about it. I know my mm-hmm. father has it and has had it for quite oh, some does time. He? he does, yeah. yeah. Um, seems to go like a year and he's fine, and uh-huh. then it comes back, and we've tried a lot of different things. But what causes bladder cancer? How do people get it? Why are we oh seeing so much goodness. more of it? You know, uh, so of course, as with any cancer, a large proportion of it is unknown. It, mm-hmm. you, you get it. We don't know why the cells decide to go a little nutty and um, grow out of control and, and do that. Um, but some uh, smoking is a common thing. Mm-hmm. Exposure to chemicals mm. is a common thing. Funny. He was a chemist for 45, 50 years. Yeah. yeah. So um, th- those are those are things that you'll see as uh, risk factors. Um, let's see, other bladder cancer. Um, it's not genetic, though, right? Is it one of those not, genetics? Not, okay. re- no, not, no, not, not. I mean, not that I'm asking for my own personal information. <laughs> <or anything. laughs> no, it's not one of those highly linked okay. to genetics. No, uh-uh. And do we see it more in men or women, or is it pretty neutral? In men. Men, yeah. Okay. More in men. I mean, you know, anybody can get it, but sure. we see a lot in men. You know, smoking is a common thing, but I can tell you that I've seen many cases in people who don't smoke, so yeah. I can't, I don't think we can. Yeah. We used to kind of nail it on smoking, you know, mm-hmm. but it, I think we're finding out more and more about chemicals in the yeah. environment and that sort of thing sounds about right mm-hmm. and how does one typically know if they have bladder cancer well you, for sure to know you're going to have to you know, get a full workup and we can talk about what that looks like but what are you know symptoms that you know where you're thinking could i have bladder cancer i think blood in the urine is probably mm-hmm. going to be your number one symptom um, you can have pelvic pain back pain urinary pain so mm-hmm. pain um, pain and, and blood in the urine um, just changes in your urinary habits can be um, something that can happen too but again if you if you remember most of those things can also be common in urinary tract infection right. and so yeah. I think that's why I said if you have blood in your urine I'd always go and get that worked up because you don't know for sure what you're dealing with it is more likely to be something simple and easy sure. you know we see common things commonly that's what that's why we common. say in healthcare. Yeah. you know because um, it, it's true and so you can always, you can generally expect that, you know, when you go for a, something that we see commonly, like blood in the urine, mm-hmm. you're going to have a common issue, like a urinary tract infection, but you can never be certain, so it's always good to get it checked out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, what does a typical workup look like when you say that word? Right. So urinary, uh, so urine, collecting urine, and you can do a thing called cytology, which looks for cancer, cancer cells within the urine. Um, that's not always 100% either. Of course, as everything, it seems like nothing's 100%. Um, <laughs> It'd make medicine easier if it was. Right. So a cystoscope is very common, and that's where they use a very tiny little tube to go up the urethra into the bladder, and they take a look uh, to look, actually visualize if they see any what we call lesions. Lesions would just it. be kind of like you could relate it to your skin. If you're thinking about skin cancer and mm-hmm. some of the moles that you see, it's almost kind of like that, where you're seeing a lesion on the bladder that they can then do a biopsy on. And so that's generally how it's diagnosed. Okay. CT scans can be done too to make you know oh. to look at other areas and make sure there's you know what else might be happening that you know if it's not bladder cancer what is causing sure. this problem. Sure. So you you might see those too. Well, you've mentioned a couple times um, urinary tract infections, bladder infections, that sort of thing, back pain. Why do we get back pain with those? I, I think it's just related to the way the nerves in the bladder. Um, oh, okay. Uh, you re, you know, can I, have you ever heard the term referred pain? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just how pain from a particular thing goes out into other uh, spots or areas where you'll feel it. And I just think it's really common for bladder pain to be felt in the back. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, we got a question that says, what are the warning signs to watch for for an abnormal bladder? And you've mentioned kind of blood in the urine, frequency. Is there anything else? Right. Pain, chronic pain. Okay. So, you know, if you feel pain when you have to urinate, I mean, that's, that's 
something that's probably not normal, you know. Nobody so, wants to hurt when they pee. Right. And, and it can be variable. I mean, some people, you know, you, we know uh, people who've had a urinary tract infection, they know what it feels like to have one. Mm-hmm. And, and it's pretty intensely painful. But you can have more of a low-level chronic discomfort with urination that may not be normal either. So those are things to look into. We do get to know our body, though, because uh-huh. I'll call and say, I have a bladder infection. Or uh-huh. I'll, I'll say, I have a bladder infection. No, it's not a yeast infection. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I already know the questions you're going to ask me, uh-huh. right? So I think, I think it's important though to know your body but to know what the signs are right and I think also just to add to that I mean you know we get a lot of people <laughs> I'm going to pick on you right now we get a lot of people that call in with that I know what I have <laughs> right now so it, and it is true what I usually say to people is that yes you do generally know when you've had many of them initially though I do like people to come in and give us urine samples mm-hmm. initially because yeah. we want to establish a pattern of actually knowing from the urine that it was an right. infection because that gets to that idea of interstitial cystitis right. If you're having pain that comes up every so often, but there's no evidence in your urine of infection, then we need to look at something else. Oh, interesting. You see what I mean? Yeah. So in the initial part of the workup, I really like to have several where you're saying, I have a urinary tract mm-hmm. infection and I'm seeing clinical evidence oh, yeah. on a urinalysis that you do. So that means that you're uh, reliable at telling me you have one and that you truly have one and it's not something else. Do you see what they I mean? They always make me come in anyway. I'm just going to it saying this yeah. is what I think I have. Right. And it makes well, it easier. sometimes I yeah. will tell you that when you are a person who has chronic infections, there are times that a plan is set up for you. And sure. I think that it's, it's nice, actually. When you've had them over and over, they've been worked up. You know, a lot of times people will set up plans in which they can have something on hand. Um, Our preference truly is to make sure that we evaluate each one so we don't over-medicate with antibiotics. We really only want to be treating those infections, but there are some people that have so many. And so frequently... Why is that? Why do we get repeat ones? You know, there's so many things, right? Like I haven't had one in years. There's a lot of theories about it. And I think the bottom line is we're not always sure why some people, particularly women, Mm -hmm. are going to get more urinary tract infections. There's certainly things about our anatomy, if you can imagine. We have a shorter tube going from the external to the bladder. Mm -hmm. So our urethra is smaller. So that's less space for the bacteria to have to get up. Right. And there's mechanisms mechanically through things like sex that can make it easier for that to to happen, too. Um, Our tissues are also a little more irritable, and and they can be irritated easily. And that can create where um, uh, bacteria want to hang out a little bit more in those you know, you know, the skin, yeah, yeah, in that area is, is very thin. And so bacteria kind of don't mind hanging out in that environment. And so <laughs> one of the f- issues that some people think is that maybe some women are getting colonized with bacteria right around the urethra. So they're oh, actually okay. developing a little colony. Oh, man. <laughs> right. And it's really hard to eradicate it. So every mm-hmm. time they have a bladder infection, we're getting rid of that mount that got, got up into the bladder. Some of but it, we're not but, really mm-hmm. getting that that's kind of on the skin area right around that opening. So there's some of that. It, it, it's not, you know, sort of proven that that's what it is for people with chronic right. infections. But there's lots of things that can relate to that. Sure. How do you know the difference between something like a bladder infection or a UTI and an STD? I mean, you have a lot of the same symptoms, yeah. right? Yeah, so that's a tough one, too. Um, and especially as a person who, I think some of it depends on how well you know your body um, and that sort of thing. But I think, you know, again, it's a good reason why you should probably go in if you're experiencing symptoms right. that are new or unusual to you. You know, sure. if you have a, a pretty steady history, you know, with your partner and you're having your same old bladder symptom you know, bladder infection symptoms, I think we could say probably, probably, it's what, yeah. probably, but if you're having all of a sudden new, you know, you've had a new partner or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, and you're having these symptoms starting out, I would definitely want to get in and say, right. Hey, let's check this out. Let's see what's going on. You let's know, take a look. See, yeah, for sure. 
Well, we got a lot of questions about food and alcohol and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Is there a certain diet that, uh, this question says, is there a certain diet that I should have for supporting a healthy bladder? So I think that um, the biggest thing with this is probably along that interstitial cystitis thing I keep talking about, um, which is a lot of times there's um, caffeine uh, containing uh, foods and beverages, uh, alcohol, tomatoes, citrus, things like that can really irritate people with um, interstitial okay. cystitis because again we're, it's not related to an infection it's related to something that creates irritation within that bladder and so foods can be a part of that okay. um, let's see uh, generally hydration again you know sure. it's not like I'm always talking about hydration water but, water 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 yeah, so that's <laughs> probably the most solid thing you can do for bladder health is to make sure you're well hydrated and that you urinate when you need to urinate. Sure. Don't hold it. That's an important go one because I go. think a lot of people do hold it because oh, they're yeah. busy or they're whatever, yeah. but it is important to get yeah. it out, right? Yeah, because every time you go, you're flushing that urethra right. out of anything that might be trying to right. climb up in there. You know? Oh, wow. I mean, I know that's a basic way to put it, but you know, that's so, really yeah. true. What about alcohol? We got a lot of questions about is alcohol bad for my bladder? Not per se. I mean, it can, you know, certainly. Any alcohol should be kept to the, the, the limits, you know. For various uh, reasons. Right. So they say, I mean, you know, no alcohol is probably the best case scenario, even even including wine, which is supposed to have some positive benefits. Right. But they do say that generally, overall, for all different aspects of health, having no alcohol is probably the best. Um, but one drink for a woman, two for a man a day is considered okay. And that hasn't really been shown. Wait, why are men getting twice as much? Yeah. It's the way they metabolize Mm -hmm. their whole, yeah. Yeah, It's because they're fancy pants. We don't know. (laughs) We don't know. Anyway. Um, but yeah, so, um, does it really affect the bladder? It can for people who are, Hmm. susceptible to it. So, uh, you know, it can make you urinate more. That's number one, you know, because it can dehydrate you. Oh, Hello. Right. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> you know, hangover, <laughs> you know, so you can get dehydrated when you drink. Um, but also people with interstitial cystitis, it might be a culprit. Got it. Yeah. What about sugary foods? We had several questions about is sugary food bad mm-hmm. for my bladder? Yeah. I mean, it causes inflammation. So anything that causes inflammation, you don't, you just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So chronic inflammation is another issue that can relate to bladder cancer. So just people who have, for some reason, mm-hmm. chronic inflamed bladder, and that can do that kind of anywhere in the body. Any area that's chronically inflamed right. can start to do weird things. The cells can start to get a little crazy. Oh, yeah. So it's um, like autoimmune, right? Don't they like your body starts to fight itself? Or yeah. Something? Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. just kind of turns against itself. So with um, the bladder, you, you you know, they say that um, pro-inflammatory foods, which sugar is considered one, mm-hmm. so things that cause inflammation, processed foods is another one, things like that, MSG, those things are supposed to be uh, not not necessarily mm-hmm. great for bladder inflammation. Okay. They can cause an increase bladder inflammation, inflammation, mm-hmm. not information, mm-hmm. inflammation. <laughs> <laughs> inflammation. <laughs> well, we got a question that says, for women, are bladder inf- infections often related to yeast infections? Um, not necessarily. So, um, anything that could create more inflammation in the tissues of the vaginal region can create more likelihood of having bacteria mm-hmm. or holding on to that sort of thing. So, yeast isn't directly related. So, generally, you're not going to have like a yeast infection that gets into the bladder and then you have an oh, infection that's mm-hmm. a yeast infection in the bladder. That's not what's going on. But if you have an inflamed, um, you know, sort of uh, vaginal area, you can then be more likely to, to hold on to other oh, that makes bacteria sense. Right, and right. then, you know, maybe create more issues. It's really similar to what we call atrophic vaginitis, which is where it, as we get older, the tissues become drier and thinner. And they're also more likely to, to grab onto bacteria and hold bacteria, which can then go up into that bladder. Jeez. 
just makes getting old sound fun. Well, it just makes being a woman sound right? a little bit of a pain. Well, what about though, if you, if you have a bladder infection and you're taking antibiotics for it, then sometimes don't you get a yeast infection because you're killing off all the healthy bacteria or no? You could. Okay. The one nice thing about bladder infections is they generally respond to very focused medication for only a couple of days worth mm -hmm. of use. So we can use some pretty low dose medication over a three day period and take care oh, of most nice. bladder infections. Yeah. Not everyone, but I mean, you know, a lot of them, we can sure. do it really short and that's going to um, help decrease the likelihood of getting a yeast infection. Okay. Well, this question says, is it true that you can get bladder infections from wearing clothes that are too tight? I don't know if I've ever heard that. Oh, I have. Okay. Well, you've probably heard everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, I don't, I, I don't think so. I think the m bigger issue might be wearing clothes that are sweaty oh, right. and leaving those mm -hmm. on. I mean, that we know that can lead to sort of yeast infections, oh, yeah. but also can um, promote the growth of bacteria as well. That so, I mean, you know, change out of the clothes reasonably, especially if you're somebody who gets bladder infections a lot, then you probably want to go ahead and, um, you know, shower and, and take Hair care of that. Side of cleanly yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. again, it's not that you're dirty per se. Right. It's just that you have this particular problem with, you know, bacteria sure. wanting to really proliferate you know in that specific area and we all have bacteria all over our skin all oh, the right. time yeah. so it's not it's not about being dirty it's yeah. about just your anatomy well this question says is having a bladder infection contagious not really i mean it's interesting um you know not unless it would be Again, you can get bladder infection symptoms. I guess you could sort of say you have a bladder infection, although it's not the primary source. But things like chlamydia, mm -hmm. for instance, we can find that bacteria within the urine. Oh, and okay. you may have some symptoms sure. that are urinary. and but you're not transmitting it via urine, if you Got see what I'm it. saying. Okay, so, so it's a kind of a <laughs> tough answer there. But no, I would say over the over the general uh, question is is generally no. Got it. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, well, this question says, can you be born with a weak bladder? You can definitely be born with things that create difficulty with urination and okay. um, having that, you know, we were talking about a healthy bladder and what sure. does it mean to have a healthy bladder. There's things you can be born with that can create, you know, overactive bladder or urinary incontinence and things like that. Um, so there are some things, but they're pretty specific and usually found out pretty, pretty early in life. Sure. I think we have time for one last question and it says, how does age affect our bladders? I think primarily um, the muscles can become weaker, and so therefore you see some more you know, increased incontinence as people mm -hmm. get older, especially women, uh, because of the weakened muscles that can occur in menopause and then through childbirth and stuff as well. Um, but that's the primary thing is you may experience more overactive bladder as mm -hmm. well, just mm -hmm. that kind of feeling of irritation and having to go more frequently. Um, yeah, I think those are the biggest things. Incontinence issues and having to go more frequently are probably more common as you get older, usually related to either neurological or muscular issues. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say mm -hmm. that everybody listening to this now has to use the bathroom. Uh, yeah. I feel like everybody <laughs> yeah. has to go to the bathroom. Well, Marianne, thank you so much for joining us today and everyone for listening and sending in your questions. They were great questions today. Uh, we look forward to future topics with more experts from Providence. Make sure to follow us on social media at PSJH on Twitter and on Instagram and under Providence St. Joseph Health on Facebook. To learn more about our mission programs and services, visit future.psjhealth.org. Thanks for listening.